Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson, and I'd like you to join me as I minister the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. That's where the miracles happen. Let's open with prayer. My heavenly Father, open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan and you. Father, I ask for a spirit of grace on this meeting, a spirit of grace, what we don't deserve, but you do anyway. Father, I ask that we only see Jesus. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. If you will turn with me to John 10, I'm going to begin in verse 34, Jesus speaking. He said, Jesus answered the Pharisees, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. He said, if he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came. And then the next phrase is what I want to get to. And the scripture cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. If your faith is in the word of God, it can't be broken. But what makes it work? Your faith makes it work. But the word of God cannot be broken. And that's what we put our faith in. That's what we can put our trust in. That can be our anchor. When we have no other thing to grab onto, the word of God cannot be broken. Now, if you will turn with me to 1 Peter. And this is what we are doing here in these meetings at this time, this series. All right, we're going to begin in chapter 3. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation, the behavior of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair and the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel. Don't let that be your adorning, but let this be your adorning. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, that in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek, a meek, a mild, and a quiet spirit. And I love this phrase, which is in the sight of God of great price. If you look up the NIV, it says a great worth, and the Amplified says very precious. Have you ever considered that, that a meek and a quiet spirit God considers precious? The wonderful thing is God, who considers that very precious and great price, is the one that will get us there. And we've been meeting this way. We've been talking about this. This is what God's after. He's after that meek and a quiet spirit. But he knows we're not naturally that way. All right. Now, if you will go with me to Luke 4. He's after a meek and a quiet spirit. But the only way to get there is to get the meek and the quiet man inside of us. And we have looked last week at Luke 4. And we're going to go there again. There are some wonderful things in this passage that God is opening up unto us. The words that I speak to you, they're not my words. I don't sit down and spend a whole week writing a sermon. I don't do that at all. You know what I do? 
I sit down and I pray in tongues. I pray in tongues and I get in the spirit. And you know what happens after I get in the spirit? The spirit of God starts talking. And he says, say this, go here, look at this. And so before you get it, I get it from the spirit of God. And, and I tell you what, it gives me time to, to weep and to cry and to get over it before I give it to you. <laughs> so I don't weep and cry when I'm up here. But if you will go with me to Luke 4, we're going to begin in verse 16. And this is Jesus. He has just come out of the wilderness. He has just been with the devil. And he has overcome. Now is when his ministry starts. It says, and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As his custom was, notice, as his custom was. So he's done this over and over again. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So they were used to him coming to the synagogue and reading. They were used to him teaching. But now things are different. He had just spent 40 days in the wilderness after being baptized in the Holy Ghost. They have never heard him talk after he's baptized in the Holy Ghost. Things are different. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book and found the place, he didn't just open the book. The first thing that came up, he found. He knew what he was looking for. He found the place where it was written. And this is what he speaks. He's speaking right out of Isaiah 61. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And now he's going to tell us why the father, Jehovah, sent him. And he's going to read it right out of the book of Isaiah. He's going to read a prophecy from 700 years before. And it's coming to pass right in front of these people's eyes. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Why did God baptize him in the Holy Ghost? Why did God send him to earth in the first place? This is why. This is why. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me. The Holy Ghost has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And we know that gospel is found in 1 Corinthians 15. That Jesus died. That he was buried. And that he rose again according to the scriptures. We know that's the gospel. That hasn't happened yet. But Jesus is going to preach it anyway. He's going to preach it to him. Why? So that when it happens, they know. This is why God sent him. To preach the gospel to the poor. And look at this next part. And he sent me. He sent me. He sent me. Jesus didn't come to earth on his own. He was sent. He was sent. In the book of John, it says that God sent me 16 times Jesus says that I didn't come on my own I was sent now we know this is why Jehovah sent Jesus and why did he send Jesus well Jesus tells you right here he sent me to heal the brokenhearted he sent me to heal the brokenhearted who sent him Jehovah sent Jesus to heal the brokenhearted. Did you know that? Did you know that God sent Jesus? Why? Because he knew people had broken hearts. That's why he sent him to heal the brokenhearted. Because the father knew there were broken hearts. Do you see the love of the father? I'm going to send you because their hearts are broken. I'm going to send you because their hearts are broken. That's our God. 
That's our God. You may have another God, but our God sent Jesus because he knew our hearts were broken. And let's go on. To preach deliverance to the captives. Deliverance of the captive. Do you know that if you are bound up with drugs, you're being a captive of that drug? Do you know if you are an alcoholic, you are bound up, you are a captive of alcohol? Ask any alcoholic, they'll tell you. They are captive to that alcohol. And if you are bound up with fear, if you are bound with fear, you are captive to fear. If you are afraid to leave your house, you are a captive. I've met them. They're afraid to leave their own home. Why? They're captive. Fear has them captive. That's why God sent Jesus. He said, I'm going to send you to deliver the captives. Why? Because he knew we were captive. He knew we were. We're not a surprise to him, thank God. Our broken hearts, our bruised hearts, our captive hearts. God knows that's why he sent Jesus. That's love, folks. That's love. The very God that made us, even though we're the ones that left him, he still sent Jesus. He sent him anyway. Preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Recovering of sight to the blind. Have you ever been in a place that you just can't see? It doesn't always have to do with the physical eyes. What did we say in the prayer in the beginning? Father, open their eyes that they can see. Open their eyes that they can see. That they can see what? That Jesus came to heal your broken heart. Jesus came to set you free from being a captive. That Jesus came to do all the things to take care of that heart. To deliver that heart. The recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty. To release them that are bruised. That are crushed. And we talked about this last week. We used to have a saying growing up. I used to hear it from the neighborhood kids. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Oh yeah, they do. A parent says something that they probably regret to this day saying. Well, bruise a child. Or your husband will say something that will bruise you or crush you or an adult or a teacher. I've heard teachers say things that I just, oh, God, have mercy. I have listened to parents. I was a teacher myself and listened to parents tell their children that they were worthless. When you tell your child that, you are telling a creation of God that they're worthless. You better fix it. And God will have mercy on you too. God will fix your broken heart so you don't say things like that. He'll fix the bruises in your heart so you don't act that way. Oh, that's the wonder and the love of God. God not only loves the victim. He loves the one that does the sin. Do you hear me? God not only loves the victim, he loves the perpetrator. He loves the one that caused it, and he will fix them both if you will let him. That is the power of our God. He will fix both parties. Let's go on. 
to set at liberty, to release them that are bruised, crushed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, with that, let's go to Luke 15. I'm going to begin in verse 1. We read about why God sent Jesus. Why God sent Jesus. He sent Jesus because he knew there were broken hearts. He sent Jesus because he knew there were people that were crushed, that were bruised. He sent people that couldn't see, didn't know what to do, didn't know where to go, didn't know who to turn to. That's why he sent Jesus. And he sent him to preach the gospel. You know, when you have that gospel in your heart, you know how to take care of the sad days. And when you've got that gospel in your heart, that gospel will fix the situation. It'll fix it. That's the wonder and the power of the gospel. It'll fix the situation. All right? Now, then drew near unto Jesus all the publicans and the sinners for to hear him. Why? Because of the words he spoke. Because of the power he walked in. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. They're upset that Jesus is eating with the publicans and the sinners. Because they won't. They won't touch him. But Jesus is eating with them. And Jesus, knowing that, spoke this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Now let's take a look at this a little closer. The Pharisees murmured, saying, This man receives sinners. Sinners. He's receiving what we call trash. And they're murmuring about it. And Jesus turns around and said, What man of you having a hundred sheep? If he lose one of them, what's he losing? He tells you in the first verse, a sinner. Trash. They've lost one. They've lost one of those sheep. And now let's see what Jesus does with the sinner. He says, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. So who is going after who? We got a sinner lost in the wilderness. Ever feel lost? We got a sinner. We got trash. Lost. And what does Jesus do? He leaves the ninety and the nine. He's going after the sinner. Isn't that amazing? He's going after the sinner. He leaves the 90 and 9, but look what he says then. And when he has found it, look at this. Have you ever considered this? When he found the sinner, what's he do with him? He lays it on his shoulders. He lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Do you get that? He goes after the sinner, looking for him like we've read before, looking for them. And when he finds that sinner, he lays him on his shoulders. He lays him on his shoulders. If that isn't hugging a sheep, I don't know what is. He puts him on his shoulders. And look how he acts. He layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Rejoicing. He finds the sinner. He puts him on his shoulders. Rejoicing. And then what's he do? And then he cometh home and he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. 
And then he says, I say unto you, and he's talking to the Pharisees. He said, I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Over one sinner that repenteth. Then more than over the 90 and 9 just persons which need no repentance. Do you see when that sinner, when we, when we go to Jesus, he rejoices? Now I got a question. Do you see any shame in this? Do you see any shame in that sheep in this? Jesus picks it up and he puts it on his shoulders. He doesn't shame it. He puts it on his shoulders rejoicing. Why? He's a whole lot bigger. And he is the one that carried the sin of that sinner in the first place. You know what's amazing? We think that God doesn't know what what we've done. We think Jesus doesn't know what we've done. But Jesus is the one that carried it on the tree. He knows exactly what you've done. And that's the wonderful thing. He goes and he looks for you. He's already paid for it. He's already paid for that thing on the tree. And when he finds you, and when you go to him, he puts you on his shoulders rejoicing. There's a party in heaven. There's a party in heaven. Lord, let this radio program be a big party in heaven. Now, I want us to go down to verse 11. And we're going to take another look at the situation. This is how God deals with sinners. This is how God deals when we come to him. Oh, but I'm born again, but I've sinned. This is how God will deal with you. He rejoices when we go to him. This is the man that God sent to preach the gospel, to heal our broken hearts, to open our eyes, to release those things that have bruised us. This is why God sent him. And that's why he rejoices when we go to him. That's why we can go to him. That's why we should never be afraid to run to God. Run to him. And we'll see right here what happens. All right, verse 11. And a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he divided him all his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. Riotous living. Fill in your own blank. And when he had spent all, verse 14, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and the citizen sent him into his field to feed swine. And he would feign filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And now look what he says. Verse 17, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. He's hungry. He's in a bad place. His riotous living has put him in a bad place. It says he came to himself. Have you ever done that? What am I doing here? He came to himself and said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, notice, I will arise. I'm going to make the first move. 
I will arise and I'll go to my father. This is Jesus speaking. This is how Jesus is going to handle us. This is how the father is going to handle us. This is Jesus speaking the parable. And it's talking about him and the father. It's talking about us, the sinner. It says, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned. I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Make me as one of thy hired servants. I have sinned. I'm going to go my father and tell him I've sinned. I've sinned. Make me one of thy hired servants. And look at this next verse. And he arose. He's going to the father. He's making the move. He goes to the father. And he came to his father. But when he was a great way off. A great way off. His father saw him and had compassion, knowing what he'd done. Had compassion and ran. Ran. Who ran? The father ran. Who'd the father run to? The one that was coming to him. The one that was coming to him. Did the father stand and wait till the son got to him? No. He ran to the son. And look what he does when he gets there. And he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Is there any shame here? Is there any shame here? You know, when we go to the father, there is no shame. Why? Jesus bore it. Jesus already bore our shame on the tree. There won't be any shame when you go to Jesus. Look at Isaiah 50. It'll tell you that I have borne the shame. All right? And he fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. That means he's a son again. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. There's that party again. There's the rejoicing again. For this my son was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Notice this my son was dead. But he's alive again. He's alive again. This is what the father will do when we go to him. It does not matter what you've done. It does not matter what you've said. It doesn't matter. It does not matter what you have done. And it does not matter what you have said. Jesus already bore it on the tree. All he wants is you to go to him. And this is exactly what will happen. You don't have to be afraid of being shamed. God will not shame. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Remember the adulteress caught in the very act? 
What did Jesus say? I don't condemn you. What did Jesus do? He forgave her. He forgave her. The woman that came, the sinner that came, washed Jesus' feet with her hair. Did he condemn her? No. She came and washed Jesus' feet, and everybody knew in town she was a sinner. Everybody in town knew she was a sinner. Did Jesus condemn her? No. He forgave her. You know that woman went out of there forgiven and justified? And no more carrying the shame. Oh, the Spirit of God can take that all away. And you can stand with your head up, no matter how many fingers are pointed. Why? It's Jesus in you. It's Jesus in you. It's the party that they had in heaven rejoicing over us. All right? Let's finish with John 6. This is what Jesus will do. This is what the Father will do when we go to him. You don't ever, ever have to be afraid of going to God. You don't ever have to be afraid of going to God. Run. Run to him. And you know what? He will run right back. But you don't know what thoughts I have, but God does. I'll show you. John, John 6, 37. He can fix the thoughts. He can fix the things in us that have the thoughts. John 37. It says, Jesus speaking, all that the Father giveth to me have, shall come to me. But I want us to look at the second part because it checks the first part. And him, and him, and that includes females too, and him that cometh to me, and him that cometh to me, you see those words? These words cannot be broken. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise, no wise cast out. You hear those words? Those that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. Ever. He won't. Why? That's why he came. Spirit of God is saying to you, run to him. Run to the man that died for you. Run to the man that carried all you've done. Run to the man that knows what's in your heart. Run to the man that knows you're brokenhearted. That's why he came. Run to the man that knows the words that have been spoken to you and have hurt you. Run to him. Tell him and let him heal you. Let him heal you. And again, Jesus said, you must be born again. He said that in John 3. Why? That's the spirit of Jesus coming into you so that he can heal you. And he can give you life forever. And he can fix your situations. He can. He is able. He is able to fix any situation. I've had enough to say that every situation I've gone to him with, and some of them were pretty grave, he has fixed them. He is able. He is an able God. He parted the Red Sea. He can fix your problem. Run to him. Amen. Kathy would love to hear from you. Email her at the letters kd at kdwol.com. That's kd at kdwol.com. 
and visit her website to listen to these messages again or download them free of charge at kdwol.com. Write her at P.O. Box 865022, Plano, Texas 75086. Until next time, God bless.